0: Welcome to Substance Free 02043, brought to you by Hingham Cares. I am your host, Kristen Arute, and I am Program Director for Hingham Cares. Our mission is to reduce substance use among youth in our community. We want kids to make healthy choices around substances, and we help them do that by informing young people, parents, and the community as a whole about the intrinsic dangers of teen use of drugs and alcohol. With us today is a very special guest who will speak to that issue. Laura Stack is the founder of Johnny's Ambassadors, a nonprofit in Colorado, whose focus is on youth marijuana awareness, prevention, and education. Prior to founding Johnny's Ambassadors, Laura was already an accomplished speaker, author, and educator. When tragedy struck her family in 2019, she began to use her skills and abilities to share a new message. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to discussing the topic of youth marijuana use in more depth.
1: Thank you, Kristen. I'm happy to be here.
0: Could you start by sharing your story of what brought you to this place?
1: Sure. Well, sadly, our 19-year-old son, Johnny, died by suicide in November of 2019. He had been using marijuana for five years, starting at the age of 14, and he became psychotic, he, he thought the mob was after him and everyone knew about him, just developed a, a huge paranoia and a lot of delusional thinking. And sadly he ended his life. So we started Johnny's Ambassadors six months later as a nonprofit really to educate uh, people about what happened to our son and to give his warning, which three days before he died was, marijuana ruined my mind and my life. So that's what we're doing, Kristen. We are traveling around the U.S. talking with communities, with parents, with teens at schools, whoever will listen to tell them Johnny's story and share the research and the possible harms of marijuana use in youth.
0: Thank you for that, Laura. And again, we're so sorry for the loss of your son. Thank you. Recreational marijuana use was legalized in Massachusetts in 2016, so about four years after it was made legal in Colorado and the state of Washington also. We are just now here in Massachusetts starting to see the effects on youth. Could you describe some of the trends that you're seeing in Colorado?
1: Well, yes, being the first state uh, to legalize recreational marijuana in 2012, it came into the dispensaries in 2014. Johnny was a freshman in high school and I remember him coming home and saying all of a sudden pot was everywhere. Um to use his expression and he'd gone to a high school party and there was a boy there Uh, who had marijuana and was uh, providing it to the younger kids. And they all wanted to try to see what it was like to get high. And that was his first experience. And I think, unfortunately, now that it's come to your state, you will see an immediate increase in accessibility. Unfortunately, with youth using it, with um, siblings who are able to purchase Um, It's sold on Snapchat. Any high schooler can tell you in five minutes who has marijuana. They all deal it on Snapchat. I know because we got into our son's phone and at 18, he had gone and gotten a medical marijuana card. So he was legally buying legal marijuana from a legal dispensary and selling it to younger children. And he had no medical issues that would have warranted a medical card. So once it's recreationalized, then it becomes accessible for anyone to get. I think you're gonna start seeing what we've seen in Colorado, sadly, over the past 20 years since it was medical and 10 years since it was recreational. We've had a huge increase in the number of emergency room visits We've had a 55% decrease by teens in their perception of harm. We've had an increase in use by all age groups, a 600% increase in calls to the Rocky Mountain Poison Control Center, 150% increase in emergency room visits, and sadly, sadly, Kristen, suicide is now the number one cause of death in our youth, ages 15 through 24. And the number one substance found in their toxicology reports by threefold is THC over alcohol.
0: That's just remarkable. And sad. Very sad. Very Tragic, absolutely tragic. And we appreciate and commend the work that you're doing to spread the word and to educate people about the dangers and harmfulness of marijuana. One of the biggest things that we encounter in the work that we do anytime we talk about marijuana is pushback from people who consider it to be safe. And we're sure to remind them that first and foremost, we're in the business of reducing substance use among youth. Adult use is certainly legal in Massachusetts, but regardless of a person's age, I'm reminded of something that people in the field of prevention and recovery always say, that just because it's legal doesn't mean it's safe. There's a lot of uh, misconceptions about marijuana among the adult population. How does today's marijuana differ from the marijuana of yesteryear?
1: Well, you are very smart in warning people, you know, that there is never any guarantee that marijuana will be harmless for anyone. I have a friend who at the time was 49 years old who came back home here to Colorado to visit a friend and took two hits off her dab pen and was hallucinating in the mental hospital for two days thinking the nurses were shapeshifters and that they were out to get her. So she's 49, just saying. So there, there's there's never a guarantee it's going to be harmless, but it's particularly harmful to our youth. Um, the The cannabinoids that are in the marijuana plant are only found in that plant. And it is the only drug in the entire earth that interacts with a receptor in our brains called the CB1 cannabinoid-1 a receptor that regulates our immune system and our nervous system. The CB2 is also found throughout our bodies. So in your brain is a great number of receptors that unfortunately, THC molecule looks like the natural molecule we have in our body called anandamide. And it's so similar that it tricks the brain into letting it bind to those receptors. Well, Sadly, the adolescent brain is still forming until mid-20s to late-30s now, we know, for young men. So when THC binds in those receptors in a brain that is still forming, we know from MRI studies that we see a thinning in the prefrontal cortex of those teenagers, depending upon how many times they use marijuana from the age of 14 till the age of 19, we see severe damages in that brain structure, which can result, for example, in six to eight IQ points, which is the difference between an A and a C in school and a C student and an F. The reason people believe it's harmless is because they used it when they were teens. You know, J- the old Jim's basement weed, the old hippie weed, you know, that we all used. And what people need to understand is what products are out there today resemble nothing like Jim's basement weed. I used marijuana when I was 17, 18 years old. And when Johnny told me he used in my head, I thought, oh, you know, it's just weed. I used it. What's the big deal? But most people who are making those judgments have not seen today's marijuana products. They don't understand that the weed is not just 1% to 5% THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient that makes you high. It used to be 5% or less back when we were kids. Today, You can walk into a dispensary and buy average 20 percent THC, 25, 35 percent per gram of flower THC in the weed. So just the plant botanically is much different. But they also don't know that that THC is also extracted out of the plant and put into really heavy duty potency chemical products such as shatter and wax and vapes and edibles that can be 80 to 90% potency per gram. So in a cartridge of vape, for example, there can be 800 milligrams where one old fashioned joint used to be five. So it's so much higher in terms of the dosage It is a completely different drug. And I would just say to those people, you need to get educated. You need to go walk into a dispensary and you will fall over when you see what today's marijuana products actually look like. It's a
0: great explanation. Thank you so much for that. I think that's one of the issues that we encounter for sure is that people don't understand the potency of today's marijuana. I don't think they're even familiar with the the um, manner in which it presents itself, the types of products that you can buy. No,
1: if you haven't been a marijuana user, if you've been out of the loop, uh, you know, since you used it, I think a lot of voters were kind of hoping you know, for this boomer weed that we would roll in joints and and smoke and giggle and go to Denny's, right? That's how I remember it. So if that is your experience with it, you just automatically impose that perception on everything you hear today, not understanding that the brain today is completely overactivated because of these levels of potency. We didn't use to see the addiction. We didn't use to see the psychosis. I mean, we did back in the old days, but not nearly what we do now. In fact, marijuana wasn't even considered addictive until 2013, when it was added to the DSM-5 as cannabis use disorder and people still today go oh marijuana is not addictive um actually medically it's been addictive for almost 10 right. years now <laughs> um according to the definition so i would just say that they're not up to date they're not educated um, they haven't read the research, uh, which have has amazing studies have come out just in the past two years. Uh, and if they take the time to go and read the research, we have it all compiled on our website, for example, johnny'sambassadors.org slash research. Um, I think their eyes might be opened a little bit about why it's it's night and day. It's really like the difference between cocaine and crack. It, it's It's just another drug altogether. Right, right. So
0: you you mentioned uh, medical use. I know that the laws around marijuana differ from state to state and packaging and potency are two factors that may be treated differently depending upon where you live. Could you briefly explain how medical marijuana products differ from recreational
1: marijuana? Or if there even is a distinction? Well, first of all, there's marijuana is marijuana is marijuana. There's no difference in the products themselves. Um, The only difference is you pay less and you can buy more. That's it. If you have a med card. Um, So Johnny, for example, has no medical issues. I mean, you can go to our pot shop doctors here in Colorado and say you have a hangnail or a migraine or a backache, and for a few hundred dollars, you will get your red card. And now at 18, you can walk in and buy these crazy potent products. Um, That has changed somewhat in Colorado because we put some guardrails in place starting in January of this year, where now they have to have two doctors um, who independently certify that they have a debilitating and chronic medical condition for which marijuana, uh, might be helpful. They pull their mental health records. They pull their, uh, doctor's records, and that has plummeted the amount of medical cards we have here in Colorado for 18-year-olds. In April of 2015, there were 6,000 of them. Today, there are only 2,000. So um, because of these new guardrails that we have put into place, which we highly recommend um, you do there in Massachusetts as well, they have really um, protected our youth and taken a lot of the marijuana out of the high schools. But please understand medicine in general is never vaped, never smoked, never dabbed, never eaten, right? So the the whole dispensary thing, I believe, is really a farce because there are FDA-approved products. If you truly have a medical condition that has been approved by the FDA for medicine, for example two rare seizure disorders in children. There is an FDA approved medicine that is a a, a cannabis product not THC pure CBD it's called Epidiolex well if your child has seizures you can get your doctor to write you a prescription and you can go to Walgreens or CVS and get Epidiolex it's 2.5 milligrams of of CBD and and it's taken as a pure pharmaceutical grade drug that is not THC. So we have to be careful about what we're calling medicine because most things are just recommended off label. Um, There is a medication that is FDA approved called Drabinol. For patients who have cancer, who have undergone chemotherapy, they can be nauseous. Well, there are CB2 receptors in your digestive system because of how our endocannabinoid system controls your your CB2 digestive receptors. So a very small amount of a THC-derived medication helps with nausea. That doesn't mean that everything under the sun, you should go to a dispensary and get these high-potency products if you're feeling sick. You're actually going to get the opposite which is cyclical extreme vomiting called cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. A little bit of THC helps with nausea. The high potency overstimulates and overactivates those receptors. In Colorado, we have acute vomiting cases every day in the emergency rooms with our teens coming in because they have to stop using marijuana in order for that to go away. There's another medicine, Marinol, that is used. For people who have neuropathy, uh, nerve pain, for example, in multiple sclerosis and in anorexia wasting syndrome, that's a medicine. A doctor can actually prescribe that. It's 2.5 milligrams of THC and 2.5 milligrams of CBD in a tiny little pill that is taken to help with pain. That doesn't mean all pain. Oh, I have a toothache. I better go to the dispensary and get some vape. Okay, not the same thing. So the medical program is really a word that the cannabis industry hijacked in order to make it acceptable for all those poor people who have cancer. I'm sorry, it does not cure cancer and it does not cure everything under the sun. And it really is just code for people who want to get high and they want to pay less and they want to be able to buy more. Um, So in Colorado, most of our medical, especially for our youth, is really a hoax. And that's why it's coming way down and why, why our medical marijuana sales have been cut in half in the past year.
0: The health teacher at Hingham High School conducts a survey called the Youth Risk Behavior Survey, and it gauges youth experiences on everything from social media use to substance use. We know from the data that most kids in Hingham try marijuana for the first time at around 15 or 16 years old or when they're about in 10th grade. Why is this so dangerous? What's going on in the brain at that point And what's going on with them socially that would make this uh, come about?
1: Yes. In fact, that youth risk behavioral study is done nationally as well. And the 2021 data is out and we have the highest levels of marijuana use in 2021 since they started doing the study in uh, 1988. Um, So don't let anybody tell you that the legalization of marijuana has not increased use because it has daily, monthly, and past year use um, for young adults ages 19. It has Definitely caused it to be more accessible. The problem when they are young, under 18, um, is that the number one user for marijuana is 18 to 24. In Colorado, 4% of our users buy 65% of our product. Let me say that again 4% of our users buy 65% of the product. So all they need are a few that are gonna use it a lot, that are gonna use high potency products, that are gonna spend a ton of money that they can funnel into this knowing that this 18 to 24 year old group is the highest usage. So they need 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds to get addicted to this so that they can move them into this next group of users and buyers um, when that time comes. Unfortunately, 14 through 17 is also one of the ages where youth are most curious uh, about experiencing, but problematically, it is a critical time of brain development. We know when a youth uses at 14 and 15 years old that it rewires the development of their brain. It changes the way that the brain is structured, even just in one use. Our doctors say that it's kind of like taking a scissors, closing your eyes, and attempting to cut your hair. That's what's going on in your brain. It's just not going to be exactly like it would have. So because youth in that stage of brain development are going through two critical processes called apoptosis and myelination, which is the brain pruning of pathways and synapses that are not being used. This helps in specialization. And then myelination, which is the protecting and the insulating of the brain um, when you have pathways that are used a lot. That is for efficiency. So those two processes. functions are arrested when THC gets in there, and it actually changes the way that brain should have formed. So it's kind of like taking your phone, taking the cover off and slamming it on the ground when you put THC in the brain, because that brain is no longer protected. So it is a very vulnerable age. It is an age of curiosity, and unfortunately, it is a targeting age. The you know marijuana industry says, oh, we don't target youth. I have hundreds of photos of the marijuana industry directly marketing to youth, using images like cheerleaders and Santa Claus and candies and really... Um, trying to appeal to their emotions. In Colorado, you see, you know, on the ground, trash boxes of edibles, flyers that come in the mail for coupons for dispensaries, um, open houses of dispensaries in the newspaper ads on the back of an ad for a back to school special. You know, they just they're trying to make it so normalized and just not a big deal. And indeed, the perception of harm of our youth have really fallen around marijuana because they see all the adults fighting over the right to make it legal. And when I speak to them in schools, the teens are always like, Mrs. Stack, you know, adults wouldn't make something legal if it was bad for me. Right. Um, and so because it's now lumped into this Harmless because it's legal, camp that you mentioned. Um, it's because adults don't understand the harm, and unwittingly, when their teens are using, they have that kind of "eh, I used it, didn't hurt me" kind of attitude, um, instead of a "no use." There is no safe level of THC in the developing brain, and we have to keep repeating that. But not just to tell them drugs are bad, don't do drugs, but to educate these 14 through 17 years old on why THC makes you high. How does it find in your brain? What does it do when it gets in, when your brain is forming? They're actually very interested in neuroscience. And if, if you explain the chemistry to them, then they, I think, have made different choices, at least from the ones that I, I work with.
0: Most kids in Hingham say that when they use marijuana, it's in either their own home or in a friend's house. So on the heels of everything that you just said, what would you say to parents who are either unaware that this is happening in their homes or are, are aware, but don't think it's particularly harmful?
1: Well, I would say that you have to stop them from using right away. Um, it Just because you, know, you used it doesn't mean that the marijuana today is going to be safe uh, for them. Never, ever, ever provide it to your teen. It does not help their anxiety. All the research we have shows it increases anxiety. It increases depression. It increases a motivational syndrome. It decreases graduation rates. Colorado is third from the bottom now in graduation rates in the United States where we used to be Uh, very near the top. It is extremely harmful for your child. And if you have allowed it in the past, it is never too late to go back and say no to something that you once said yes to. I would change your mind immediately. I would set very strict boundaries that there is no use allowed. We have to get our teens to delay at least until their brains are formed, 30 years old. Maybe by then they won't want to use it at all, but it's incredibly harmful to them Um, into their mid-20s. I would make sure that we talk about it openly. Just say, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Have you ever heard of this dabbing? Your kids know exactly what it is and any teen in any high school can get a hold of it in five minutes. I would do room searches, backpack searches, and car searches. I would charge their cell phone overnight in your room, get them to use a regular old-fashioned alarm because that's when they are getting in trouble Um, is at night when you are not monitoring them. I would randomly drug test them starting at the age of 12. If they ever show up positive for THC, I would drug test them every weekend. You can buy kits very inexpensively for two bucks. Um, Same gender, watch the child actually do uh, the test. And that would be tied to rewards and punishments. You know, it's not oh, they're not going to trust me if I drug test them. It's like, yeah, I absolutely trust you. Pee in the cup. (laughs) And uh, that is the very best excuse that a child can have when offered marijuana at a party. Hey, sorry, can't, dude. my, My parents drug test me. Oh, so, you know, that serves a double purpose. Parents are always telling me, I just want my kid to be happy. You know, I just want them to be successful. And I always tell them, no, you want your kid to be alive there is a seven-fold increase in suicidality in young people who use cannabis. This is according to the National Institutes of Drug Abuse. It is on their website. They studied 280,000 18-year-olds in the United States and concluded cannabis use was associated with increased risks of thoughts of suicide, suicide attempt, and sadly completed suicides Even if they weren't depressed before, don't fool yourself into thinking that teens are using because they're just self-medicating because they have some kind of mental illness. Johnny had no mental illnesses. We have no psychosis in our family. He's been, he was tested for it. We don't have mental illness. He was not depressed. This is a party drug. They just want to get high. Um, So you have to take control. You have to set boundaries um, and you have to keep your kid from using right now. It must stop. So, for parents out there who are concerned that their kids may have access to marijuana, we, we
0: know that the majority of kids in Hingham who use marijuana say that they get it from friends. How does that work? If marijuana is legal for kids at a certain age, how do kids who are younger than that gain access to marijuana products?
1: Well, if they are 18, they're just going and getting a med card. So there are hundreds of seniors right now in your town who unbeknownst to their parents have a medical marijuana card. Um, We didn't find out and sadly until after Johnny died um, that he had gotten one. We have a, cybersecurity friend who helped us get into his devices. And there was the login from the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. And so they legally go in, buy these products at a legal dispensary and they go and sell them. How they're selling them is on Snapchat. If you go into your child's phone and click on Snapchat, and go to a tab that says for your eyes only, it will ask for a password and your child must give that to you because they are not 18 and they do not have rights to privacy. That is your phone and you get that password and you see if there are drug photos uh, in your child's phone. They are also getting it from drug dealers. They are contacted on Insta, on Snapchat, on any number of ways. They are legal adults that they go meet somewhere. This is not black market weed. This is legal weed that is being legally purchased in dispensaries, whether by that 18-year-old or, unfortunately, a lot of their brothers and sisters um, who are older and are using Get the teens involved. So if you have one child who is 22 and one child who is 16, it's often very likely that they get it from siblings, peers, and also dealers, but they can get it themselves if they have a med card. And there are usually a small group of seniors at every high school who has one and most kids know who that is. So the data also shows us that kids are making good choices when it comes to
0: driving. Here in Hingham, very few drive after using marijuana or get into a car with someone who's been using marijuana. So that's the good news. Good. However, driving under the influence is not the only risk factor with youth marijuana use. You've already described quite a few. What would you say is the are some of the biggest risk factors?
1: Well, I've discussed most of them: IQ um, changes, graduation rates, memory problems. Um, obviously a lack of coordination and reaction time. So they're they're smart not to be driving. We're not so lucky here in Colorado. We have about one in four who say they have driven or have gotten into the car with someone who's uh, been using psychosis increases by fivefold um, because the potency is so high. Um, more and more and more doctors are reporting um, cases of youth coming into the hospital with acute uh, psychosis, vomiting, comas, not breathing well, overdoses. Um, Recently, an article came out with uh, San Diego saying 37 cases a day of youth in the emergency room with marijuana poisonings of different kinds. Now, you don't stop breathing only because there are no CB1 receptors in your brainstem, um, but you can absolutely overdose and paranoid thinking um, turns into delusion, which can, if repeated psychotic incidents are had, it can convert um into what's called cannabis induced psychosis and then that child must be sober um continuous cip incidents will convert into a permanent schizophrenia or bipolar and other very serious mental illnesses that are often misdiagnosed. And once they find out, oh, that kid was using high potency THC products, they realize that it was a drug induced um, psychosis. So there are many, many concerns uh, with youth and of course, suicidality like my son um, being the most grave.
0: Lawmakers are making decisions on a regular basis about how to regulate this product, regulate this burgeoning industry. Are there any particular pieces of advice that you would have for them?
1: I would go and look at Colorado's bill, 1317. um, That was successfully passed. We had a huge parent coalition uh, that we led. Uh, We had doctors, Uh, principals, teachers, teens, educators uh, who came together and gave nine hours of testimony. Uh, We got several sponsors in the legislature, both representatives and senators. We got it passed uh, unanimously in the House and just a few um, senators uh, declined. But we have put some guardrails into place uh, regulating these concentrates, real-time tracking systems so that they can't go from dispensary to dispensary buying of the maximum. We have limited the p- daily purchase price to two grams for those youth who have managed to uh, get themselves a medical marijuana card. Uh, and the 2,000 who have them, 18 to 20, recognize the 11 and under, there are only 200 kids in the entire state. So we're not talking about the children here who have you know seizures or uh you know acute disabilities these are just kids that want to use this as a party drug and get high um so i would clamp down on those 18 to 20 year olds, because we know that if we can get them into their 20s, the harm is not as as severe. In other words, don't make it easy for 18 to 20 year olds to get a hold of marijuana.
0: Could you describe in a little more detail your journey with Johnny? I know that he went into rehab a couple of times,
1: had several relapses. Yes. So he started using when he was 14. Started using at 14, died at 19. I mean, I I wrote an entire book, 300 pages about his story because it just was so much. Um, The Dangerous Truth About Today's Marijuana, you can get it on Amazon. We spent over $200,000, three mental hospital stays, um, numerous uh, treatments, psychiatrists, doctors, uh, programs trying to get him off of marijuana. He never tested positive for anything but THC. This was not black market weed. This was, it was not laced with anything. He did not have mental illnesses. This was legal marijuana bought in a legal dispensary. He became psychotic. He thought the mob was after him. He would stop using. He would recover and he would be really scared. He would say, I'm never using marijuana again. And he'd be sober for about three to four months. And then he would go back. His favorite was wax. He dabbed wax. I have all his, um, text and, and Snapchat and Instagram on how he was getting and dealing this stuff. And he vaped uh, a, a very potent oil all day long, like a jewel. And three times he recovered, became psychotic, recovered, suicidal, recovered. And then unfortunately, the last time it did, uh, he did take his life.
0: Well, we've had lots of contact with you over the past year. You've come to Hingham twice already. Yes. In the spring, you. you spoke to the senior class at Hingham High School, which was fantastic. And this fall, you sat on a panel discussion about marijuana and also gave a very powerful keynote. I interviewed you last year for one of our Take 10 videos, which can be found on our website and our YouTube channel. And now we are here again as we make our debut into the podcast space. So we're so happy to have you with us as a guest. We really appreciate your willingness to make yourself available to us and to other coalitions who are doing similar work. So as we wrap up, I was wondering if you have any parting words that you would like to share with the people of Hingham.
1: Well, I, Kristen, I've been so grateful to be there and so appreciative of your support. You know, it is our obsession, our passion um, to get in front of teens and parents and share Johnny's story. And just for you to give us the the venue, the occasions, the opportunities um, to do so is so appreciated. And we've been so blessed um, by your support and hope have made an impact uh, and a difference in Hingham. You know, we're really, we use the expression, each one, reach one. Uh, meaning every person listening to this podcast, we just ask you to go tell one other person um, something you've learned. You know, have you ever heard of a cannabinoid receptor in the brain? Have you ever heard of dabbing? Did you know that the THC is extracted from the marijuana, right? And just having conversations with other parents, friends, grandparents, nieces, nephews, uncles. I mean, that's why we call it ambassadors, because We need people like you, people like me uh, to give this information to other people with the hope that they will carry it out into the community. And so I would challenge everyone in Hingham who is listening to this to please reach one or two or 10 other people. If they follow us on Facebook, Every day I post something educational on our Facebook page and all we'd ask them to do is click share. And that is one way that you can be an ambassador is just really helping other people get the word out and really uh, addressing head on a lot of the false narrative that's out there and the misinformation and helping us clear it up that there is no safe level of THC in the adolescent mind. And it is not just a safe because it's legal. And if people want to learn more about Johnny's Ambassadors
0: or follow you on social media, where can they go?
1: Yes, they can go to our website for all of that information. It's johnny'sambassadors.org. That's J-O-H-N-N-Y-S, ambassadors with two S's dot org. Thank you again, Laura. It's been a real pleasure talking with you as
0: always. This is Kristen Arute, Program Director of Hingham Cares. You've been listening to Substance Free 02043. For more info or to get involved, go to HinghamCares.org.